If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with an acute obsession of true crime, caught discussing tragic events with unwilling participants, or kept awake at night by the paranormal or just plain absurd, you've found the right place. All others, beware of catching this dangerous bug as we begin to talk about the facts. Welcome to our final episode of Let's Talk About the Facts in 2020. Not final forever, obviously. We haven't even finished season one. Which, you know, there's an arbitrary finish line there. But if you don't know us yet, we are a podcast. We handle cold cases, weird phenomena, historical inaccuracies, apparently. And also things that I, or my guest, has felt like researching. So, you know, captain of this cruise, Elizabeth Fury. And so hold on to your hats and glasses, ladies and germs, because this is your wildest ride to the end of the year. It is New Year's Eve today. And as always, we do have a pal with us for this adventure. So today is our sometimes associate producer, Skylar Ezel. So, Skylar, tell us a bit about yourself. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of um, course. I am just trying to survive the year that was 2020. And we've only hope- got, like, what, 16 hours? <laughs> <laughs> but given the year that we've all just had, that's 16 chances for it to completely screw us all over. Amen. I broke my finger. So, like... <laughs> like a few days ago so i'm i'm with you like anything could happen there you go there you go but thanks for having me on it's great of course and thank you for all your help with the show so far and you guys will be hearing more from skylar here in the future as he continues to help me out because this one lady i don't know copacabana is about to burn down if i don't get a little bit more help (laughs) Because just so you know, (laughs) things are a little difficult sometimes (laughs) when you're just like, oh, I need to do that. I'll let someone else handle it. And you're like, oh, wait, that's just later me. (laughs) It's just me. It's just you. Yes. So Skylar, tell us um, basically like what case kind of sent you down the path into investigating like I would say because of the case that we're doing today investigating injustice investigating true crime essentially which we all I feel like many of us have a deep interest in true crime because it's we finally get the justice that a lot of us don't see you know Mm -hmm. so what would be the case for you that kind of started up that, like, you know, that little heart that was like, this is bullshit? <laughs> I would say, I would say probably greater than any one single case. It might even just be the fact that at this point in, in I guess, American life, we sort of grow up in this, in a time where true crime is sort of everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. there's always the trial of the decade, the trial of the century, the trial of the 
of the this or that or whenever there's something that happens it's always a part of our it's just always in the atmosphere right so there's these major right. cases um like you could go as far back to the 90s like oj simpson because that's still oh. talked about there's a show every other year about that whole case or, or bundy i mean you can keep going and going yeah. and going there's always yeah, somebody there's always somebody because there's even like a there's isn't there like a netflix show about him oh yeah or something there's yeah which i was like are they trying to make him hot like i don't understand you know sad, i'm sad to say he was an attractive man was he well not for me and not like by our standards but like he had many many groupies oh oh yeah. well yeah i guess so but like so there's, you know, cases like that, and then there's cases that are more, like, resonant, like, are more recent, right? So, like, just the other day, um, you know, the Tamir Rice case, where there was the, uh, the Justice Department decided not to file charges against the police that killed uh, that 12-year-old uh, boy, and there's, so there's just all kinds of cases that you, you, it's really just a part of the culture now when these things mm -hmm. hit a certain level of um, the national consciousness, so... Right. There's always something going on where you want to know what's um, what's happening. Of course. Because um, for me, it was the Morgan Nick case. I was a tiny little baby when that happened. And if you listen to our two previous episodes, which were a back-to-back two-parter of Jean-Benet Ramsey. Um, Another that, one that was all, that's still talked about to this day. Right. I, and I'm the same age. So... She was on television. Morgan Nick was on television. Then there was um, Amber Hagerman, who is the source, basically, of the Amber Alert. Those mm. kind of things were all over the news all around the same time. So for baby Elizabeth, she grew up being like, well, somebody wants to murder me at all times. <laughs> and I'm ready to kill them <laughs> not necessarily but like uh, i had a plan for everything mm -hmm. <laughs> you know john mulaney's whole stranger danger thing i was like i feel like i knew those tips <laughs> like <laughs> i was like how did i also know how to punch out a taillight i have questions you never know when you're going to need that kind of information so. i know like there it's like the whole pull cord uh, that is in trunks now i'm like yeah but if that's taken out what do you do punch a tail light like oh is my god that, is that why that's there yeah it's because you could get locked in your trunk and i'm like that's only gonna happen if <laughs> someone puts you there uh, oh, I'm, so i shouldn't laugh at that i should not oh laugh no at that. you should laugh in that no because considering because, the case we're going to talk to talk, talk about today it, well no we're skipping gosh. that real quick because okay. in the 90s that's when my older siblings were in high school and they would like mm -hmm. not have enough seats in the car so they would put like a person or two in the trunk and then that's how they would ride in the car to get to places and then they would forget them and they're like dude and then they'd have to come and get them out of the trunk like oh. yeah so that's why i was like it's okay to laugh about that one but <laughs> past the case we're yeah. not at the case yet so you can still be on chuckle lane <laughs> okay cool we can jump into the sadness in a moment but okay so our case 
technically takes place in 2020. The part that we really are upset about takes place in 2020. And I thought it would be really fun to look back and think about the things that we have completely forgotten happened in 2020 because our government has let basically 350,000 people just die and we've let it pass by like nothing's happened. Mm -hmm. Or at least the media has. I don't know how they're sleeping at night, but okay. (laughs) Anyway, so before that all started, did you remember that Shakira and Jennifer Lopez sang together at the Super Bowl? I I forgot. That was this year? That was this year. (laughs) That was that gold and silver fringe thing that they did with their hair all flippy flippy. Like, it was a lot of flipping. Wow. I remember remember the news. Everybody kept trying to put this off. It's like J-Lo and Shakira are bringing that Miami sound, that Miami sound, the Miami flavor. And it's like, neither of them are from Miami. I remember that. What do you mean Miami sounds like? Right, I was kind of like, what kind of stereotype are you trying to play? I feel right like here? Miami like... sounds like I don't know, somewhere mixed between like seventies rock, like yacht rock, and <laughs> yeah, no, it just sounds like yacht rock because of it's like swarmed with old people. Well, That's they... Miami to me. Oh yeah, well I feel like they were trying to play off the um, play off of the 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 Latin culture there, the Latin community. <laughs> But the thing about that is, well, what uh, was that? I that was an alarm that I did not know <laughs> was set. Um, I, I don't like, even know when I set this. <laughs> I don't even know when I had set this, but so apologies. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, but um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, there's Latin culture in Florida, but there's also Latin culture everywhere right well and, and i just it was just interesting to think that i remember reading headlines saying the miami sound the miami sound and it was like well there's more like that's that's a true that's a big part of miami but it was like there's a better way to say this considering neither of them is from miami like yeah, I know. literally like, neither of them is from there they could have just as easily said brought the latin sound and it would have been fine because when i think of miami i associate it a hundred percent with old people <laughs> that's where they all go to retire they all go to florida they go to orlando or miami that's it <laughs> and i'm happy to let them go <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a very diverse place but so it's, it's hard to give it that one yeah old thing. people are very diverse mm. <laughs> that's true some are old some are really old it's a whole thing it's a thing um so the big bunker baby was acquitted on the articles of impeachment so he was still impeached that was this year too that was, that was in 2020 yeah and then he gave the state of the union and nancy pelosi tore it up in the middle of it that was in 20 wow this has been a long year bad boys for life came out in 2020 i went to see it in theaters those were still open for yes <laughs> oh guess what what Bong Joon-ho um, won two Oscars for Parasite because Parasite won Best Film. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, this year has been like 785 days long. It feels like it, right? 
Oh, and also, let me tell you what song was number one at the beginning of 2020. Are you ready? I am ready. Do you want to guess? Number one at the beginning of 2020. This makes uh, this person... Something by BTS? No. This person is the first artist in history to rule Mariah the chart Carey. in all four I separate decades. You. Mariah Carey, all I want is you. Yeah, all I want for Christmas that. is you. Yep. She topped the charts in the 1990s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and now the 2020s. You know, I feel like if it anytime I'm not like for you don't even have to be a Mariah Carey like stand to appreciate the achievement there. Like I know, right? You just no one no one else could no one else has done that. I, I just that's go Mariah. Yeah, no, I'm pleased for her. And yeah, I'm I'm very happy for her too. Like you can't you can't hate on the queen. Like that I mean, I am a Mariah Carey stan who isn't. Like, if you aren't, I have questions. <laughs> but, like, oh, it still kills me. I just it's remember, still... I know there was, like, that time in, like, the early 2000s where she was, like, she hit, like, a, like a rough patch just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it's, that's just, a, that's, a, that's an interesting factoid, like, she really just came back and was like, screw all of you. I'm Mariah Carey, and I have four number one or uh, number ones in four separate decades. But good for her. Good for her. I know. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. And then finally, Laura Dern said that she saw Baby Yoda at a basketball game. And I am 100% convinced that she was like, why are you asking me this question? I was in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> She, she, I remember there was some, yeah, who did she play in the Star Wars movie? She was, uh, Holdo. She was in, um, The, the Captain Last of Jedi. the Ship? Yeah, get ready, yeah. everyone. I love The Last Jedi. Come at me. <laughs> I didn't know that was, like, a contentious thing for a while, and then I was like, Jesus, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this this last this last season or last season this last series <laughs> <laughs> this last series was very contentious. It was very. Um, it's because nobody has anything better to do with their lives. That's why. I mean, yeah. Well, there's that, and you know, this 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 last series definitely had. Um, there were there were things. How do I say this diplomatically? People had concerns, and some of them were valid. But also, being Twitter, a lot of them were not. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, but speaking of Twitter, Twitter mm-hmm. is how we, I think it's we, right? We found out about this case and how it was going to conclude. So this is a beautiful segue into moving in to the case of... Brandon Bernard and as a twist for this episode I will not be presenting today dun 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 that was excellent <laughs> that's why you paid me the big bucks I was like who's got big bucks <laughs> <laughs> I was like I can give you an extra large monopoly dollar <laughs> the, the better question would be who was delivering these envelopes of money and with no instructions that I just keep depositing I know, right? For weird. 
Uh, all right, so Skylar. Yes. You're on air. All right. Thank. Uh, what do they say? First time, first time caller. Wait, first time listener. Wait, long time listener, first time caller. I forgot to say this yeah, would have worked well, better you know, if I remembered how it went. I don't think I've listened to the radio in like five, six years. So every now and then. Oh wait, I listened to the jazz radio station here. Oh, I did not know there was one. Yeah, my car would like came tuned to it, and I'm like, I never can lose this. Because it's amazing. <laughs> like, I'm going to save this to my presets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every now and then, rarely, I will go back to the radio just to, j- I don't know why, but just to see what, what what's played. Just to see. Like I can't it, handle the ads. And it's, and nine times out of a ten, ten, when I do, it is an ad playing. So then I go right back to something else. They're, they just yell at me. Right. It's ridiculous. Like... Do you want to buy a thing? And I'm like, I have no money. <laughs> That's okay. You have credit. No. Credit. <laughs> I might have good credit, but man, it's really hard to keep in a pandemic. You know, like it really is. Well, enough stalling. Yeah. It's story <laughs> yeah. time. It's story time. So Brandon Bernard, um, Brandon Bernard is a recent case that hit uh, the national consciousness within the last few weeks. It was a death row case um, starring a 40 year old man in Texas who had stood accused and convicted of killing a um, youth minister couple, Stacy and Todd Bagley in 1999 in a robbery slash kidnapping that went all the way south um, down in um, Killen, Texas. I hope I'm saying that right. Killen, Killeen. Um, it's Texas. They'll get over it. It's right. They'll be fine. They will be fine. Um, so basically, the gist of that case, that case uh, really hit Twitter and, and the news and everywhere. Um, and I almost hate to say this because I don't want to make it uh, give too much credence to this individual, but she did leverage um, her celebrity and platform, which was amazing. Uh, but Kim Kardashian has been on this crusade the last few years to, um, uh, or I, guess, I guess she's found an interest in social justice causes and getting involved in people's cases. A few years ago, you might remember, um, I think it was Alice Johnson was her name, the black woman who had been uh, convicted of selling like small amount of drugs, but got like this obscene decades long sentence. And Kim Kardashian made her way to the White House and convinced Trump to pardon her or to commute her sentence, I should say, mm-hmm. um, and so got her released. And so um, uh, she's back at it. She was back at it again for Brandon Bernard, trying to get his death row con- um, sentence tossed out. Um, and so it, it sort of hit the, the airwaves um, at that point. Um, but the work to get him off of death row had started, had been going, you know, for decades um, longer but thanks to kim kardashian she really brought it to um brought it to the media helped get it to the media and then of course she got it to donald trump he eventually just decided to let to just let it go but um yeah so that's what happened um um, this year with that case and basically what happened is uh let's talk about the bagley's for a second so the bagley's were a youth minister couple from iowa um, and they had been, they had gone down to Texas, um, and I believe Todd had actually been stationed in Fort Hood, if I'm not mistaken. 
um, and they attended a church called Grace Christian Church, uh, Grace Christian Church, excuse me, where they worked um, with youth down there in Texas. Um, a week or so before the murder, they traveled to Killen to visit some friends and to attend a church revival meeting. So by all accounts, these are two very um, good people, loving people. They're really um, uh, passionate members for their faith and their community and really, uh, really did believe in the message that they were delivering of, um, you know, just trying to, to essentially save folks because that's what uh, missionaries are, one of the things that they do. Um, so they were, by all accounts, just really, really good people. Um, but then on, uh, uh, in 1999, uh, they stopped at a convenience store. This was in June in 1999. stopped at a convenience store uh, to use a pay phone where they were approached by a group of um, teens. Um, and these teens were Christopher Andre Vialva, V-I-A-L-V-A, uh, Christopher Lewis, Tony Sparks and um, uh, Brandon Bernard. Uh, the teens threatened the couple with a gun. They robbed them um, and then forced them into the trunk of their car, of their own car, um, where they were driven around for about six hours. Um, so I can't even imagine the terror they must have felt in that car. Mm -hmm. were, uh, they, were they bound while they were in the trunk? You know they probably were. I don't have Your any information to that. Say, I'm sorry. Your research didn't turn that up. You know, it's it's interesting. I I did not read anything that specifically said that they were bound, but I would imagine that they were if they were in that car for six hours, uh, or in that trunk for six hours. Mm -hmm. um, but still, yeah, they. But while they were in the back seat or in the trunk of that car, um, they actually did plead with their kidnappers. Um, trying to appeal to their sense of conscience, talk to them about religion, talk to them about God and Jesus Christ, and um, really trying to connect with them both on a human level, but also on a spiritual level. Because remember, these are missionaries. So while they clearly were probably trying to save their lives, um, they were also, I would say they were genuinely concerned with the spiritual welfare of their captors, which I think goes to say, a, a lot about who they were as people. Um, so, you know, they spent that time trying to talk with them from the from the trunk of their car, uh, trunk of the car. Um, unfortunately, it, it didn't really work out for them. You know, the, the teens, the teens original plan was, of course, to just rob them and to use their ATM cards. Uh, but of course, everything clearly went south. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Vialvia, uh, was sort of the ringleader, or at least that's how he was portrayed in the court proceedings. Um, he was the one that insisted that they needed to actually kill the Bagleys because the Bagleys had seen um, seen his face. Uh, and so you can sort of imagine the chaos there, that was there between this group of boys who had only intended to get some money for whatever reason, they didn't execute this robbery correctly. Um, and not that there's a right way to rob, but you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, their faces were seen. And so then he decides that they need to kill them uh, so that they don't get caught. And it, you think about that level of callousness um, in a teenager. And I think, you know, at this point, um, he might have been 18. So, but still, it's just such a, it's, it's a young age to be that callous and to think in that sort of a way, but apparently that's, that's where they were. 
the group split up uh, after the carjacking. And uh, at some point, they they went to like a, some went to a laundromat and, and actually placed um, a job application at a Win Dixie, which for people that aren't from the South, Win Dixie is a, a grocery store chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they, because their parents wanted them to get jobs. So this is how much of just regular teenagers that they were at the time. They were still trying to get part-time jobs um, at the local grocery store, but for whatever reason, decided to make this ter- truly awful, terrible mistake and tried to rob some people. Um, and that just went wrong. Um, uh, Bialva actually shot the victims with Brandon Bernard's gun, killing Bagley, killing the Bagleys, um, killing Mr. Bagley and leaving Mrs. Bagley actually unconscious. Um, Bernard set fire to the car to uh, destroy evidence or presumably to destroy evidence. But according to an autopsy report, uh, Mrs. Bagley was actually already deceased before the fire was lit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, during their attempted escape in, in another car, um, the group actually set off, set off the side of a road into a ditch and where they were subsequently re- um, arrested by police. Because the murders took place on a military reservation, it was deemed a federal crime. So in, in most cases, uh, murder is considered a state crime, but because yeah. this happened on federal property, it was considered a federal crime, which is how it came to be something that um, Trump was eligible to, President Trump was able to, if he wanted to, to commute the sentence. So that's sort of like the background of like, what sort of got us to this point where um, uh, Bernard, uh, Vialba and Bernard were both sentenced to death. Um, the other two um, uh, 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 assailants in the crime, uh, Brown and Lewis, they were both sit, um, pleaded guilty uh, and got lesser sentences. Um, and so did Mr. Sparks, got a lesser sentence. Uh, they were all 15 and 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, the older, the older two older kids are the one, or the older folks are the ones that got the death penalty cases. Mm-hmm. Um, Brown and Lewis have since been released from federal prison. Um, and Sparks is projected for release in 2030, uh, according to, to a Federal Bureau of Prisons database. Um, he was actually originally sentenced to life without parole, um, but since the time that he was convicted, um, uh, the Supreme Court has changed that to where minors can't be sentenced to um, life without parole. Um, mm. So he'll be out, like I said, in around 2030. Um, and as far as the project, the, the so-called ringleader, Christopher Vialva, he was actually executed uh, this September in 2020. Mm-hmm. So we get to the point with Brandon, and if anybody that follows these death penalty cases, you'll know that the sentence is, is never carried out within like a, a timely fashion, right? There's all yeah, sorts of appeals. Yeah, it's automatic appeals process. Yeah, yeah, automatic appeals process. So it takes a long time to actually get to this point. Um, during that time, um, you know, he was, uh, Brandon was like 17 or 18 at the time of the murders. Uh, during this time, prosecutors were trying to sort of build a case to show that all the reasons why, you know, he shouldn't be executed. And part of their case was the fact that teenagers, um, you know, whether they've reached the age of majority or not, uh, you know, their brains aren't developed. Your brain is not fully developed until some point in your early 20s, actually. 
So there's still your decision-making capabilities aren't fully there. Um, just all sorts of things that, that sort of separate you from quote unquote an adult brain. Um, so that was a big part of why they were trying to get the conviction overturned. Um, and another, and, um, another reason too is that when he began serving his sentence over 20 years ago, you know, a lot of states um, had also started to um, reconsider the way that they wanted to sentence juveniles. So the, the cultural and criminal justice shift has slowly been moving away from the severe, severe penalties for um, teenagers and young adults. Um, just because in a general sense, generally speaking, there's really not a lot society gains by executing 18 year olds, right? Like generally speaking, mm -hmm. we as a society are slowly getting to that point saying, what are we actually achieving here? Um, and so that his legal team was sort of hoping that that would work in Brandon Bernard's favor um, and sort of granting him uh, clemency, you know, so that he wouldn't be executed. Um, for an example of some of the states that kind of do this, uh, would be Vermont, right, which uh, has moved to include both 18 and 19 year olds under its juvenile jurisdiction by July 22, except for those that are charged with serious violent felonies. So that means that, um, you know, just because you're 18 or 19 in Vermont in a couple of years, you won't automatically be charged as an adult for nonviolent offense. Right. Um, which, you know, just goes to show the cultural shift that the country is sort of moving towards. And that's also part of a greater I would say social justice um, move when we get into like racial disparities, uh, which was also another part of why uh, Brandon's legal team was sort of trying to move to get the case reconsidered because study after study has shown this, particularly in death row sentences or death row cases, um, people of color, particularly black people tend to uh, suffer those, those sentences a lot more than, than white people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's been countless studies. There was um, a study by um, David Baldus, uh, a law professor who recently passed away in, like, well, in 2011, who had actually looked at the death sentences um, rather than the executions themselves. And his was one of many studies uh, that found that the race of the defendant, um, uh, no, the race of the victim, I should say, uh, actually played a huge role in whether or not a person was convicted and sentenced to death row. So if a black person kills a white person, um, they have a much greater chance that they will get the death penalty instead of, but when it's vice versa, a black person, a white person killing a black person, mm -hmm. it's, it's next, it, statistically, it's, um, it never happens. Almost, you know, it's, it's very, it's a lot more rare. Mm -hmm. um, killers of white people were more than four times as likely to be sentenced to death. Um, than the killers of black people, um, the professor had found. Um, and then, of course, there was also a Harvard Civil Rights Civil Liberties Law Review study uh, that was published recently that examined not only death sentences, but also whether the defendants were sentenced to death were actually even executed. Um, and there's a quote here from the New York Times that said, the, the problematic sentencing disparity discovered by Baldus is exacerbated at the execution stage, uh, according to the study's authors, uh, that would be Scott Phillips and Justin Marceau of the University of Denver. 
So um, there's been just study after study basically shows what we already know. And that goes, trickles down to all levels of the criminal justice system. So it's not even death row, but black people tend to get stiffer, harsher sentences mm-hmm. um, than white people. And we could even look at that just to take aside a, a quick detour. Um, you know, we mentioned Tamir Rice earlier um, and, you know, how the Justice Department <clears throat> the federal justice department decided not to pursue charges against the police officers that killed him for anyone that doesn't remember that case that's the case of the 12 year old black boy out of cleveland who was playing with a toy gun someone had called 911 even said in the 911 tape that it may be a kid or it may be a fake gun and the police rolled up anyway and in less than a second less than like less than one or two seconds when they pulled up open fire on the boy and shot him dead. And then when his sister ran to his aid, they held her back and wouldn't let her comfort her brother as he lay dying. Um, and you know that's an example of the harshest possible sentence, even though the police officer didn't have the, you know, can't, is not supposed to be judge jury executioner, but the harshest possible outcome mm-hmm. meted out to a black kid Whereas if you look at, you know, situations that are reversed, we see white defendants and white um, uh, perpetrators not get nearly as severe punishments or nearly the same level of police action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was part of another part of why, um, why folks were sort of looking at this Brandon Bernard case and saying, wait a minute, why are we giving this kid the death penalty um, when even his even his co-defendants all testified he was not the shooter he did not kill them and the medical examiner said both of these victims were already dead um, by the time that the car was lit on fire did he take part in the robbery yes was he there for the kidnapping yes um did he pull the trigger no did he kill anyone no so why is he getting the death penalty um for this case And so it just highlights this great, it's just another example in a long list of examples of black people getting harder sentences. Um, Yeah, and it's been decades that this has been true. I mean, if you think about even in this past, you know, decade where officers will pull a gun on any black individual men and women you've got sandra bland you've got eric gardner you've got michael brown and the list goes on um and like you said they act as judge jury and executioner when not only were those people innocent they weren't actually posing any threat and that's why when not only did you have george floyd complying with officers but he also was killed for doing Mm -hmm. what he essentially was told to do. And you have a great point here with um, the harsher sentences because it's a hundred percent true. And it's been true far longer than we've had police because um, a lot of people would reference um, Emmett Till. And if, you guys aren't familiar with Emmett Till. He was a 14-year-old African-American um, boy in Mississippi in 1955. He was accused of um, 
I think it's like a feminine, uh, a feminine, sorry, offending, um, a white woman in like her family's grocery store, and he ended up being lynched over it. And he's 14 years old, you know, and that is a much harsher crime than if it were a white boy doing this to a black woman, like. That right. is and insane. Like this, this is such a systemic problem. And as you were saying, like Brandon did not pull that trigger and you don't, no one knows the duress that Brandon was under to light that car. Like we don't know if he was kind of forced because we know that that gun was not in his hand. That gun may have belonged to him, but he was not the one to pull the trigger we know that he didn't get it back. How do you know he was not forced to light that car? And so, like, we don't know these aspects of this investigation, but you assume, I say collectively you, sorry, I'm not accusatory <laughs> to anyone. The assumption is, how's that? <laughs> the assumption is, because he's black, he's guilty. And that is not okay. That has to stop. Right. And, and oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you first. I was going to say, and going, rewinding back to Emmett Till really quick, um, for those that don't know, so there were people, uh, some of the, uh, a few of the assailants that actually uh, killed him were actually put on trial. But that was and yet another example of the disparity in justice. And of course, this is in 1950s Mississippi. Uh, an all-white jury acquitted two of the men who, uh, I believe it was two, uh, who killed Emmett Till uh, in under an hour. So nobody actually went to jail. No one was convicted yeah. for the murder of Emmett Till. And it was all because he allegedly whistled to a white woman who herself, decades later, just like a few years ago, finally admitted that she made the whole thing up. And what's interesting is he was not from Mississippi. He was actually no. from Chicago. Yeah. So not only is that, like, the racial line there, but the cultural divide is there. That's not something he would have done. Well, well, it, well, it did. Well, you know, you never, I don't, I wouldn't say, I would say it was something he probably wouldn't have done just because, like, from all accounts, he was just a 14-year-old kid. You're not going around whistling at random women. Exactly. That's just not. Like... <laughs> I'm just saying he's a city kid. He's street smart. You know what I mean? He's oh, not in Mississippi going to go around, start, you know, starting some shit. Well, well, yeah, I guess you could look at it that way, too. I mean, my presumption would have been, because I think he was down visiting family. Yes. My presumption would have been somebody would have warned him, whatever you think you can get away with in Chicago, you can't get away with down here. But then yeah. there's also that misconception, a misconception that Chicago or, you know, up north was like, safer for black people and in a I mean, lot and in certain ways it might have been to a certain like, no. degree but yeah but like not really like I, I just assume that like and I, I may be incorrect so feel free to be like fight me on this but i like when i when you find out he is from chicago like he has encountered horrible people mm -hmm. and in master like master that's not a word and in greater quantity you know what i mean he knows mm. in theory like he would have known better than to just yeah. whistle at a woman but then again like 
it's just it's insane like the whole thing is insane that a single whistle he let's say he was whistling how did they not know he wasn't whistling a song to himself it's a fun pastime. It's 1955. It's not like he's going to whip out an iPhone and just like, you know, <laughs> listen to some music. He could have yeah. been a great whistler. You have no idea, lady. Why are you so obsessed with yourself? Right. Well, you know, and apparently she made it up. And it's like, yeah, I don't she know did. if she did it for attention. I all I know is. Because she's I, a racist. Right. And I, and and I'm, she I know she's, she was super old by this point, but I'm like, some maybe somebody should have pressed some charges. I don't know. Well, charges were pressed, and then they got unpressed. I mean, for her, but yeah, no, they, yeah, I agree because that's a wrongful death, right? And also, the law was taken into the hands of those four men who brutally murdered him for an allegation. Like mm-hmm. he didn't even get. He like didn't, he that's didn't not get... even a that's not even something to murder someone, like I, no. He didn't do anything. He was just <laughs> right. he was just living life. And this is, like you're saying, this is such a problem where if, okay, so let's go back to Brandon Bernard. Mm-hmm. If he had been white, he would have been with the rest of the others because he did not pull the trigger. He did not kill anyone. Mm-hmm. He just owned property and he was an accessory. Mm-hmm. So he would have gotten life in prison he would have likely gotten life in prison um or at least an extended uh at least an extended sentence right at least you know a long sentence i um, well he was 18 right uh i think 17 so i've read conflicting reports of this actually this is something that i thought was really interesting i read some stories that said he was 17 and others that said he was 18 so gotcha. yeah like, so mine is 17 or 18 so at the time of the crime perhaps he was 17 but at the time of the trial he may have been 18 so if at the time of the crime he was 17 then he is not an adult yet but if he was 18 at the time of the crime i believe in texas you are charged as an adult so like right if, but this is a federal crime so it right. wouldn't have necessarily had but you know what now that i think about it he, he probably was 18 because remember there was a, uh, one of the kids, the other kids in the case who was under 18 had his sentence reduced because he was a minor after, at, during the crime. And the Supreme court had said at, you know, years after his conviction that um, you can't sentence minors to life in prison. So he probably was 18. Um, but when I was researching this case, I found um, different, differing, age it's one said some 17 some say 18 i just either way yeah either way clear it is 18 he was 18 years old which is um you are legally an adult so you would have been tried as an adult so like in the central park five case which i wish we could call it something else um well now we call them the exonerated five but yeah but mm -hmm. in the case of like when they were convicted right um but the actual men the exonerated five. Um, mm-hmm. The reason that four of them were able to get out before um, one was because they were all um, as, under a certain age and he wasn't. So he was the only one tried as an adult mm-hmm. while the rest of them weren't. And cool, that's, cool. yeah. So like when you see the final episode i highly 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 recommend this show i 
bawled my eyes out through the whole thing. It was it was beautiful. You um, know, it was such. Uh, you're talking about when they see us on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, that show Ava DuVernay did such an amazing job. There, the, that show was so good, but it is the, probably the only show of that caliber that I cannot watch twice. Oh yeah, I I don't know if I could ever watch it again. But the final mm-hmm. episode was probably the piece de resistance. Like, <laughs> I love work the, working that into the vernacular. <laughs> thank you. I like to joke that, like, you know, I went to college, but usually I do that when I have, like, completely blew up a sentence. <laughs> like, made up words, tripped over it, have no idea what I just said. And I'm like, <laughs> I went to college. Because <laughs> um, uh, I sometimes would take care of two little girls, and I loved being able to show them that, like, you can be in a, a grown-up and still make a mistake, and it's mm. fine. Like, it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> Grown-up life is a joke. <laughs> remember remember when you thought that, like, adults had it figured out? Oh! And then, like, you became one, and you were like, oh, my God, my parents were such liars. I'm still waiting for the time where I'm not flying by the seat of my pants. Right. Like, <laughs> does that ever stop? And, like, I asked you know? a friend of mine that, and he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> You just look better doing it. <laughs> right. I'm just sort of like, I feel like, you know, we maybe we should let kids, like, understand, like, just see some of how the sausage is made. Like, I don't know, even if you have the money, how just, like, this... don't pay the light bill one month, just so they can like, get a sense of how the sausage don't work this out. <laughs> is made. You know, something. You know, the phrasing on that? Just because... <laughs> Just so they have a better understanding, you know, it's like, hey, just because you reach a certain age, like, you're not going to have this figured out. Like, you know, me, your mom, dad, whatever, don't have it all figured out. I mean, pay the light bill, but like, you can also share your mistakes. I do that. Or, you know, if there's, or maybe you don't, maybe you pay it, but like, you just keep all the lights off and tell them you didn't pay the bill just so they can just get a sit. I don't know. Oh, so This is why I'm I'm not a parent. (laughs) You want to hear something my dad did once? This what? is awful, but <laughs> I like how I had to preface this with this is awful. So I was like kind of asleep in the front seat, and my dad drove like a 98 Ford Ranger at the time. And mm-hmm. he pulled up really close to the semi that was pulling another semi, so it was turned around. And the front wheels were rolling with it, right? Like you tow mm-hmm. a car. But when it's a semi, you want to pull it backwards so you can hook it to the other side of the first semi, right? Mm -hmm. So he got up real close, and then he yelled my name, which my dad never yells, ever. Not like that. And so I was startled, and I woke up, and I saw this semi that looked like it was coming at me. I swear I almost crapped my pants. (laughs) And my dad is like losing it he was like that was so funny and i was like is this what thrills you me almost cracking like crapping my pants and he's like yeah it'd be real funny yeah but you know at the same time he would like tell me if he messed up he's like guess what i broke this today i dropped a whole ass piano and so, like, you know, I didn't think adults had it all figured it out. Or figured it it. Figured it it. it, it. <laughs> Clearly, 
Because also my mom's kind of an idiot, so like, she told me once that she knew that the spinal cord was not part of the nervous system because she worked for a neurologist clinic in the 70s, and I was like, sure, mom. (laughs) Wait, she said it's not part of the nervous system? It's not. And I was like, hmm, sure. Uh Okay. (laughs) I'm not over that one. Like, I bring that up to my brother, like, at least once a month. Like... Mm. It's one of my favorite things she's ever said. <laughs> and if she's listening to this podcast, still no. I'm not over that. Anyway. I remember. The North remembers. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Well, now that we went on a tangent, right. let's get uh, back into the... <laughs> we get back on court. Woo! I gotta uh, go. Hold on, let me get back into the sadness. <laughs> okay. So, oh we have so, this federal crime, yes. which is a miscarriage of justice, basically. Right, right. And and this is, and you know, and mind you, no one's arguing that Brandon Bernard or any of those other boys didn't deserve time in prison, right? Oh, like, no, they definitely they, did. Right. So, yeah, they did. So, we don't want to, we don't want anyone to, to mistake that. But what we're saying, well, I, what we're saying here, what a lot of people have been saying, is that the the sentencing didn't meet the specific crime? No. Um, it the was Alder- like giving the Hamburglar, like mm. shooting him off into space, lighting him on fire, like mummifying him while he's still alive because mm-hmm. he stole a hamburger. Right, 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 um, and some fries. And <laughs> so, but and so basically, also Brandon Bernard and. Um, uh, Christopher Vialvia, Vialvia, I um, hope I'm saying that right. Who cares? Um, both I'm of them just... had, both of them had um, been known to have really turned their lives around in prison. And I know that that's sometimes can be a hard pill for some people to swallow, right? Sometimes it's like, I don't care if they turn their lives around in prison. But, you know, when you become a, from at least from all reports that I've seen, they become um, pretty good model citizens or, or citizens, inmates. Um, citizens and inmates, excuse me, um, you know, 20 years in prison can change a person. And it's longer than that. Right. And you would kind of hope just in a general sense that that will be taken into consideration too, especially for somebody that is against the death penalty. Um, jurors from Brandon Bernard's trial even um, spoke out saying that they were not presented with all of the necessary information and they do not agree with his getting they didn't, were not given all the necessary information during his actual trial mm-hmm. and um they were um uh against against the death penalty one of them was a man named gary mcclung he's a 56 year old handyman who lives in uh, now lives in tennessee mm-hmm. and in an interview he said he had misgivings about the jury's recommendation of the death sentence at the time um but he decided not to put up much of a fight uh, because there seemed to be a consensus, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and even a um, prosecutor, um, Angela, her name's Angela Moore, a prosecutor who represented the government on appeal during um, Bernard and Vialvia's cases, she herself has also become an opponent of the death penalty, and she said that during um, her interaction, initial interactions with the case, um, when she was still a young lawyer, she said that it felt like a quote feather in my cap. Um, uh, to go again to to uh, prosecute these guys, and um, despite the fact that she herself had misgivings 
about the case. Um, you know, she now says that she didn't believe that airing those concerns would have made a difference at the time, but who knows? Um, it, it's easy to say that now. Um, she but has a point, though, especially she, at the time. She does. I mean, she does. But I, my thing is, when I read that, I think maybe it wouldn't have had much of a difference, but at least you would have said something. Not saying something has means you absolutely positively made no difference at all. Saying something, there's at least a minuscule, tiny, tiny chance. Um, but you know, so yeah, when I read that, I was like, whatever helps you sleep at night. Um, but so she's become a, uh, a public defender uh, since this time. And she has, um, you know, and, uh, uh, earlier in September, you know, she, uh, or one morning she said that she was, uh, after years of not even thinking about the case anymore, she was stunned to hear that Vialvia had been executed. So she was listening to the news and, and you know, there we were. And so uh, she's gone on to advocate on, be on behalf of Brandon Bernard's clemency and um, to speak out against what she calls a quote, bloodlust uh, in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you I, I, some might think that that's a strong word, but I kind of think it might be appropriate. Yeah, it's, it's appropriate. We, the United States has a disproportionate amount of our population in prison when compared yes. to other countries. Uh, for we no have a, good reason. For no good reason. We have a high number of people on death row. Um, you know, it just, yep. it's, it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous I, think, um, um, I covered the statistics in an earlier episode when i covered the state of prisons um mm -hmm. and in regard to the eastern state penitentiary i think in october so listeners if you want to hear those stats um head over listen to the haunted of the eastern state penitentiary al capone's in that one um ooh. but yeah, no, I I won't ask you on air if you <laughs> agree or disagree with the death penalty um, because that's a personal opinion and you don't have to give it if you don't want to. But on my hot take, and this is why with that lawyer, I understand like with female lawyers at that time, like it was so easy just to like get demoted for one dissenting opinion. I was like, yeah, I kind of understand where that would have been coming from. Um, however, for myself, I am staunchly against the death penalty because as soon as DNA technology came out, there, people found out that they had executed many innocent people. And I would rather have a hundred like guilty men or women on death row mm. than one innocent person be put to death. Mm -hmm. And also, I just don't feel like that's our, like, that's our, our job here on this earth to put other people to death because I am a believer of the whole, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And, but what really mm -hmm. I think is because prisons are private um, and not a public institution, you make money per, pri like, per prisoner, Right. Well, and there's so many people who are in prison for these stupidest things. <laughs> you have the abuse of power by prison guards. We all know it's real. 
we see it in on television to the point where like it's a joke and mm-hmm. it's a disproportionately black and hispanic uh prisoners like the population of prisons versus the actual population of america is disgusting um <laughs> which shows you the racist minds of police officers and what a joke bias training really has been because it doesn't actually help. You have to start over. (laughs) You have to start with a clean slate at this point because you, you can bias train all you want, but if they don't want to listen and they want to continue to hate who they hate, what's like, why are you spinning your wheel? your wheels on this you know what i mean and why mm-hmm. do we have people in jail serving marijuana ser- like sentences that are so outrageous or like there was um a case i cannot remember her name but it was um a young black mother who lied on a school document and received five years because she wanted to send her child to a better school after a bullying incident and i was like you got five years for that and i saw what's his bucket walk on rape uh what's What's his name brock turner oh god that like are you serious yeah she had a legitimate claim for doing Mm -hmm. this action she should have been able to do that anyway Mm -hmm. like so you're gonna give her five years Oh yeah, I was talking about that that woman. Yeah, it it yeah. Once again, the disparities in the legal system. Uh, yeah, it's against any person of color. It's against women, and I Mm -hmm. love how men are so quick to say that you know the courts and police officers are so quick to take the women like a woman's side. They are not. They are you talking about like in a sexual assault case? Any case. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it was it's... like, can I meet that officer? Because um, <laughs> Law and Order SVU is like a dream compared to reality. Yeah, yeah, it's because you're right. Most cases don't happen the way. And there was actually, I think, some studies that were done about how the Law and Order series and police procedurals in general have sort of warped people's one expectations of how the ju- how the, the justice system works but then mm-hmm. two it sort of presents a road a rosier picture of police work and how police officers are in general mm-hmm. like like police officers in that show are nine times out of ten they're always the good guy they're always doing things by the book mm-hmm. and it's like but yeah and this is not an indictment on police officers but it's like that's just not the reality right it's, it's a tv show honestly though it should be an indictment on police officers and I would say that these police procedurals who have done the research and present us with accurate information have taught the public what to expect because that's what they have the right to have. Like, Mm. no, you can't come into my home unless I see that badge. You don't have the right to bust in. Get, get, get a warrant. Like, you don't have to do this. Right. But as you see it in cases like Breonna Taylor and, you know, there is a woman outside of, in Chicago recently having a warrant these days doesn't it doesn't mean a lot either. But yeah. that's a whole separate topic. So like it's 
it's just this is where the system's broken and I have to I believe your argument is is that this death was wrongful and this was a miscarriage of justice this is an embarrassing mark on our judicial system because Brandon Bernard was over punished he committed a crime with a group of people before his brain was fully formed and he didn't get the chance to uh, like pay for his crime and do better he immediately just got that's he, it his, yeah his life was his life was essentially thrown away and um you know, it's really unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And again, it's unfortunate, of course, for the victims, for the family of the victim, but also for Brandon Bernard's family and, yeah. you know, all of, you know, all of that stuff. So it, it's a terrible situation all around. Um, and, you know, he had other, there were other people championing his cause as well. So um, Massachusetts representative Ayanna Presley, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's a member of the quote unquote squad with AOC, Ohan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Um, Presley, uh, she brought, uh, during this time, she brought awareness to some legislation she introduced last year, um, calling for an end to the death penalty at the federal level. Um, mm-hmm. Reverend Jesse Jackson had called on Trump to commute the sentences of, and um, or the, excuse me, the president to commute the sentences and pardon of inmates scheduled for execution. Um, and about 23 elected and former prosecutors filed an amicus brief um, shortly before his execution in support of Bernard's appeal um, due to allegations of prosecutorial misconduct. Right. So, yeah, there was a there was a ton of effort to get to get um, this sentence overturned. Keep in mind, during this period, um, Trump has been focused on <laughs> his election and trying to overturn um, the legitimate results of said election. So he wasn't paying attention to the tradition of the regular business of the day of, of his job. And he couldn't have cared less. He just completely ignored this entire thing. Um, I think Kim Kardashian made it as far as um, uh, William Barr, the attorney general, who was like, I'll get it to Trump. But then I think she didn't hear anything back from him, well, which is interesting. Too. Yeah, he quit. But this, I think this happened before he quit, if I'm not he mistaken. He got disbarred. <laughs> I've been waiting to make this joke. Okay. But up, but. This one. See, the uh, fun, but I, I have um, an additional comment. I think uh, that the victims would not have wanted this. Well, and so that's the funny thing because I don't, you know, obviously I don't know, but both the victims and their families are very religious people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, after he was executed, so Brandon Bernard was executed on December 10th at the Federal Correction Center in um, Indi- in um, Terrere Hot, Indiana. According to the Bureau of Prisons, he was pronounced dead at 9.27 p.m. He's also the youngest person in the United States to receive a death sentence in nearly 70 years for a crime committed when he was an adolescent. Um, he was 40 years old at the time of his death. Um, <clears throat> the his family, or I'm sorry, the family of the bag of the victims of the Bagleys, um, they had basically said that you know, when he died, they said that they forgive him 
<clears throat> they said that when they saw, first they put out a statement, excuse me, calling for the execution and saying that people were basically talking about the perpetrators, but not remembering the victims and that the victims deserve justice. Once Bernard was put, after he was put to death, um, the family put out another statement um, saying that they're glad that the sentence was carried out. But, you know, after once he was he was gone, they forgive him now. And they said, you know, now that he's he's gone, hopefully if he's in heaven, um, that uh, uh, the victims will welcome that the backers will welcome them, welcome him into their arms. And they made it this really romanticized notion. They've never read the Bible. They've never. And, and that and that's you're, you're so right where I'm at, because part of the thing that I think offended, particularly particularly the black community, um, is that there's always been. When, when it comes to white supremacy, and I promise this is all going to tie together, when it mm-hmm. comes to white supremacy, religion and Christianity in particular has been used and interwoven as like a tool to help uphold mm-hmm. it. And so ever since slavery, uh, you know, white people have used the Bible to say, forgive your oppressors, forgive oh. white people, forgive oh. us for the things, you know, that we do to you. Um, or that white people do to black people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this sort of felt like by by what the, you know, I, you don't want to criticize victims of violence or the families of victims of violence because they're going through trauma that probably, that, that, that does not go away, right? Like that but, pain does not ever fully go away. But that doesn't give them the right to traumatize other people. It, right, and it does, and, and, and what they what they wanted there was nothing about god in calling for his death in my opinion what nope. that was was vengeance and i'm not saying that vengeance is necessarily good or bad right or wrong right well god has like, an opinion well god, god is well, but, their but god. i'm not right right, their right god. but i'm right but i'm not i'm not going to pass the judgment on that for them because you read the book well, right well that but <laughs> that but also I'm not like, like, you know, their, their child, their was murdered in a horrible way. And their final hours were filled with fear and terror. So I can understand wanting vengeance. Like I get it. I totally get that. I would leave you to that emotion and for you to work out. Right. But when you use God to excuse your vengeance, to make your vengeance seem okay and make it seem like it's not vengeance, that I think is where the problem comes in. Because when you wrap God into these things, um, that's when you, what you're trying to do is to take away someone's ability to argue against what you're doing. Um, because you're saying, well, you can't argue against God. You know, well, you can't be mad at me, slave, because God said. Or you can't be mad at me, woman, because God said. Exactly. You can't be mad at me, poor person, because God said. And that's what this feels like. And like you were saying, anyone who's read the Bible and actually takes the time to like do scholarship with that knows that this is not of God. God was not saying, yes, take this person and murder them. Right. Uh, you know, execute, like that, that's not of God. And to, and to make it so, oh, but hopefully my deceased kin will, you know, they'll welcome you into their arms in the kingdom of heaven. Like that's, that's such a, that's, it's crap. Yeah, I it's, hope your deceased it, kid looks at you and is disappointed. Right. Because in right. the Bible, it, I mean, believe me, I do not ascribe, but I did go to a Christian school. 
for a very long time. And in the Bible, it literally describes how Jesus forgave the people who hurt him and did not want harm to come to Mm -hmm. them because you basically took this man's life away in vengeance. And that's not what Jesus allegedly i'm gonna have to say allegedly because my own personal beliefs but allegedly came here to do that's not Mm -hmm. it and so not only like you were saying you're using the bible to back up your like vengeance plan right but Mm -hmm. the bible doesn't do that yes Mm -hmm. in the old testament it says slaves obey your masters and all of that but it doesn't there is a separate verse where it's it basically says that the New Testament erases the Old Testament in a way that Jesus has already fulfilled the requirements of the Old Testament and you don't have to follow that anymore because that's not required of you. You've already found like salvation through the Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And every one of his principles don't build up material wealth, help those in need, help the poor, help the needy, help widows and children and people who are hurting. And, you know, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And everything that they're doing in quote standing for is exactly opposite of what was preached. Mm-hmm. it's just bonkers to me and it's insulting because it's like look i have reading comprehension <laughs> and i have read this cover to cover i right. regret it sometimes but i have mm-hmm. and i'm not saying i have retained every single fucking verse i'm not wikipedia but like <laughs> i call bullshit because yeah. i know what you're saying is bullshit God would not approve of the choice you made. You are not here to judge. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it is very sad that your child was murdered. And in their final hours, it was terrible. But that man spent 22 years repenting for it. Mm -hmm. So tell me how he hasn't, has no chance to, like, repent and make up. You never, he never got the opportunity to do better he never got the opportunity to like basically to be penitent and become a better person and there are biblical figures that christians idolize essentially that were murderers and they were and they found god and they became better Mm -hmm. and they go on to do great things right and i'm Mm -hmm. not saying go murder i'm just saying that using God to back up your murder plan to have the gov- like the government essentially commit murder for you does not sound legit. It it does not. It does not. And um <clears throat> uh he during the time of at his execution, Brendan Bernard spoke for about three minutes and some of his final words were um uh, he says, I'm sorry, he said, as he lifted his head, looking at the witness room windows, quote, that's the only words that I can say that completely capture how I feel now and how I felt that day. Um, he said, referring to his part in the killings, 
I wish I could take it all back, but I can't. Um, you know, he also apologized not only for the pain that he caused the victim's family, but also the pain that he caused um, for his own family. Um, and just the entire, you know, just the entire situation and, and, and everything. So this, to me, sounds like he was a truly repentant man um, and just sorry for, for, you know, just, you know, what, what, what happened, um, yeah. you know, and it's, it's just, it's just unfortunate all around. And then on top of, on top of everything, he's also a dad. He has two kids, uh, I believe two daughters. Um, so now they also don't get to have their father as well. And mind you, they haven't, in, in a lot of ways, they haven't had their father because he's been in prison. Um, so this just is just a, a sense of finality to the, to that fact as well. Right. Um, and one of his daughters had told, um, had said to a, a said in the press, it definitely sucks when I got the news, heartbreaking. It shattered my world, um, when she, uh, which she said um, earlier this month, or early, yeah, earlier this month when asked about her father's death sentence. Um, it's just, it's just all around a shame, and it, it's, it's there's no, there's no winning here. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is the Bagley's, uh, the family of the victim, they had said that, you know, now that you're basically saying how they'll feel better not knowing that justice has been carried out. And the truth of the matter is, again, I don't like to judge other people's pain or trauma, but I doubt that they're feeling better. You're not gonna sleep better at night at this point, knowing that, oh, he like, I get, I get if you didn't get justice and the victim or the perpetrator wasn't caught, but the perpetrator was caught apprehended has spent decades in prison justice in my in my view was done it's easy for me to say that because i'm not in their shoes and again i do not judge their wanting vengeance because they have the right to that that's between them and their god um but this it just it, it just felt inappropriate to me to wrap up god with it and then yeah. taking it back to what we were speaking earlier <clears throat> about um uh, uh, the disparities in the legal system between black and white people. Mm -hmm. uh, remember, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago where the Botham Jean case happened in Dallas where that white off-duty white police officer, she oh shot yes. the, yeah, the black guy in his own apartment. Um, she claims that she thought it was her apartment. Um, and during that trial, the, um, the Botham Jean's brother you know they for his family he forgave her in court he asked the judge could he hug her and he hugged the woman that murdered his brother in court mm -hmm. the judge was all a black female judge was all emotional over it a black bailiff was stroking the girl's hair as she was crying listening to you know testimony um and then or i shouldn't call her girl the the police officer the white woman police officer she was the black bailiff was stroking her hair um while she was crying the uh, and then at the end i think she only got 10 years in in prison so you have this like this overwhelming presence of black people coming to to soothe the soul of this white woman who shot a black man in his own home and you can't help but think, or we're not even to help, we know because the genes are devout Christians, um, that religion, Christianity, 
played a huge role in how this white woman was treated in that courtroom. She got hugged, she got her hair stroked, she got a super light sentence compared to, I mean, 10 yeah. years is a long time, but not long enough when you consider you murdered someone in their own home. Uh, not um, a death sentence. Right, it definitely wasn't a death sentence. Um, and, you know, and, you know, there was a lot of criticism about all of that. And then, you know, and, and it came out a few months ago that she is now actually appealing her 10 year death or her 10 year of prison sentence uh, because she feels that that's too long. So all of that forgiveness, all of that love that though all those black people have been black people have been conditioned to give on to people that sin against us. It is not returned, generally speaking, um, you know, it's obviously not the case in every situation, but generally speaking, it's not returned to us at the same level mm -hmm. in which we are been conditioned to give it. You know, there was that church shooting in South Carolina a few years ago where the white guy um, went to like a, a church meeting or something and, at a historically black church and killed, just killed scores of people. And I remember watching on the news just days later, family of those victims, children of those victims saying, we forgive him, we forgive him. And, and, I, and I genuinely do think that they genuinely forgive. They had to work through their Christian beliefs because you don't really, in my opinion, you don't really know, I don't, I don't think a lot of people really understand how, how strong their beliefs are until those beliefs are tested. Yes. In my personal opinion, I think the Bagley's might have failed their test, but there's always a chance. Every day, every day is a new day to 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 pass the test. But mm -hmm. as of now, I don't think they're passing their test. But that's not for me to judge. Mm -hmm. Black people have been conditioned to conditioned to forgive and and white people that sin against us, particularly white people. Because I think we'll forgive white people for certain things faster than we'll forgive black people, in my personal opinion, um, for certain things. And it's just, it's horrible. It it's is. It's horrible. And that that same level of, of forgiveness is not shown to us. It's not shown, to, that level of forgiveness, understanding, um, compassion, is not shown to us in the legal system. It's not shown to us from the police, um, police system. It's not shown to us. It's not shown to us in the education system. You know, there's mm -hmm. statistics that black kids are suspended at higher rates for the same offenses than white kids. Like at every corner, at every turn, black people are punished harsher, forgiven less, shown less compassion mm -hmm. than white counterparts. Um, but black people have been conditioned to the first thing we'll do. The first thing, be in particular because of our Christian faith, is forgive white people. And this case sort of highlighted that disparity so strong, so hard. Um, and the fact that they, that the Bagley's could turn around and throw religion into the mix to support their call for the disparity, I think was just an extra assault on a centuries long wound that honestly is a whole other podcast episode it's probably like a whole other 10 podcast episodes yeah that's um, that's a big one because i was like yeah. i don't know if i can fully agree because it may just be southern black culture i don't know um as a fellow southerner i can attest to the fact that i know what you're speaking of um and I will say I do believe that a lot of that comes from systemic issues and survival. 
um, like always forgiving white people and just like letting it go. And mm. in my opinion, and this is just observational, even in the many different types of white culture across the country, like there's even inside of that, like a system of like, okay, we'll help these people, but not these people. And like mm -hmm. dividing that. And it just gets more and more hateful as opposed to that beautiful forgiveness that you're speaking of in regards to that, that particular type of, I want to say Southern black culture, because I don't want to assume across the board. Um, but you're right. Like, I agree that it, that example, I remember being infuriated that she got off easy on the, with just 10 years, because you walk into someone's apartment and just shoot them dead and it didn't make any sense to me. Like, if I walked into an apartment that wasn't mine and I look around, I was like, this isn't my shit. And she was off duty and all of that. And, like, no. But I would have done something similar. I like to think I would have done something similar if it was my loved one as the brother and tried to not be vengeful because that is what I hope to achieve. And so basically, I guess my takeaway from what you were saying is it's not that the black community should toughen up and not be so forgiving and loving and beautiful and in that situation, but it's that the white community's got to calm the fuck down. And remember, <laughs> they're not they're so entitled, so entitled, and it doesn't stop. All the Karens and Donnas and all of this shit, it doesn't stop. Like, it's just getting worse now that they're exposed because they used to hide it. And now that we're calling them out, they're like, okay, we can be it all the time now. And we're like, no, <laughs> that's not it and <laughs> there is this wonderful comedian and i am so upset i cannot remember her name but she has special she's one of the two dope queens but oh um if you say us, i know their names and I'm, all of a sudden i can't remember just she has a special and she was talking about the difference between white women and women who happen to be white and I actually like Jessica was, Williams and Phoebe Robinson. It was uh, Phoebe Robinson. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, when she was talking about white women and women who happen to be white, it giving all these different um, like, you know, they do this, they do this. It's killing me. I was like, you are so right. <laughs> but. You're, I mean, it is so challenging because we live in this country where instead of looking at what's, like, how, how should I put this? Like, we don't look at where we've come from. We just 
brush away all of our ugly bits and expect it to go away and no (laughs) it's not gonna go away like so many people seem shocked by the whole the fact that trump won and i wasn't i was like i grew up in the south guys he's gonna be real popular down there because uh people are still openly racist um they still openly use the n-word it is beyond uncomfortable um and really i think if anything Brandon Bernard in situations that Brandon Bernard was in, like any other situation like this, continue like continual call outs should be made, not only for legacy and posterity and saying no more, but we should look at who did this, who allowed this to be possible, who put this on his docket, who made it okay for him to be charged with the death penalty at 18 years old and then Mm -hmm. continue challenging every single system that allows it because we are not the greatest country in the world we're not even in the top 20 because we are archaic we are (laughs) bloody murderers we don't even treat women with respect We have no sort of agency over our own bodies. Like, if we get sick, guess you're going to die. And this country hates poor people. They hate working class people. And that's what the majority of um, people of color do. And because they won't let, like, white echelon won't let anyone in to the club like Mm -hmm. jeff bezos shouldn't exist that's why the the trust busting happened back in the day why is that not happening again this is absurd and i just don't see a way that we will return quote unquote to normal (laughs) ever i'd never want to go back to what it was because what it was was not that great good no it was awful Mm -hmm. we were allowing all of this shit to happen and i refuse i will not stop banging pots and pans for justice in regards to how people are treated women deserve justice Uh, black americans deserve justice Police officers I, I, deserve accountability. Mm-hmm. And we have so many rotting apples that we need to clean up shop. And yeah. so many of those people who put people in prison should be there. Yeah. And, and I we, would also and I would also add on top of all of that, all of those people, we need all of those things, but I was thinking uh, everyone also needs a bit of mercy too. Mm-hmm. And that's mercy and compassion. And I think that those things are probably over applied for certain segments and under applied for others. But like, oh, 
Okay, so now that we're past the part of actually cutting most of what we all just said right. out, that's probably like 25 minutes worth of cutting out. We're going to actually close this puppy up. All right. Um, so, you know, this was an incredibly fucked up thing to happen at the end of 2020 because, yeah. once again, we are in a situation where we've had... The George Floyd incident. We have had police rioting in the street, hurting innocent people. We have had, and that's still happening. Um, the two. Well, I live in Garcettiville. You kind of live in Garcettiville. Yeah, I'm Garcettiville adjacent. Oh God, it's. <laughs> and I love the fact that people are still out in front of his governor's mansion. Oh wait, no. <laughs> mayoral mansion mayoral mansion yeah, i'm sorry no mayor should have a mansion yeah I if was you have kind a mansion you're not marrying right yeah i didn't know mayors had mansions they don't either. yeah i'm like huh like you should not be making that much money no um, otherwise like maybe afterwards you can be like oh yeah then i bought a really big house because i was such yeah. a good mayor no like i want to punt this man into the sun um, I'm really proud of LA for teaming. I did not think LA would work together so hard in their hate for Garcetti. Like, I thought that was a New York thing. Like, oh, we hate de Blasio. Oh, we hate <laughs> Like, oh, fuck Giuliani. But, like, man, they, oh, we did it. We, we fucking hate Garcetti, dude. Like, <laughs> he's not that popular. Oh, by he's not that popular, he's absolutely killing people? Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> L.A. Al Fresco, more like L.A. Al Morgue. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so this was technically a Christmas crime, happened before Christmas. But, it, yeah, <laughs> if you tuned into the last four episodes and knew that I was doing Christmas crimes... Because Christmas is not my favorite holiday, so I like mm -hmm. to talk about the crimes of Christmas instead of any Yuletide joy. And, um, but it's New Year's Eve. And so, do you ever keep one of your resolutions? Have you ever been able to? Uh, I actually don't like making resolutions. And I don't mean to sound like that asshat no. that's like... That's I'm not, I'm above that. But yeah, I don't like making resolutions only because, like... Are you below that? I'm, a, I'm below, No, like, I just... I I just... I don't know. I, I To me, I'm all for the new year, whatever, but I don't feel like... I don't know. I just don't feel like, oh, it's a new year, new opportunities, new everything, because typically speaking, you got to go back to work that next Monday. So it oh, is the same bullshit. I work <laughs> so. the weekends, so it's, like... It's just another day for me. And I don't right. drink, really, so, like... And? <laughs> what, but, what about you? Have you kept your resolution? Yes, I did. Oh. I have been able to keep the same resolution for the past four years. That's when I started hey. making the resolution. Um, I have resolved to be the hot sister. <laughs> And you and you do that every year. Every single I mean, year. It I have been killing it 
And I love, like, my sister and I haven't talked in, like, six years, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm still the hot sister. Thrilled about it. And <laughs> I haven't been blocked on Facebook yet by her. But, you know, oh. it's probably imminent. Oh. And, yeah, so I'm I'm thrilled. I kept <laughs> that resolution all through 2020. And this year, th- that was hard. Hey, well, good for you. So I know I'm a petty bitch. One day we'll talk about it. But um, and then let's see. Is there anything this year that you're super thankful for? Like, were you able to like stay positive about like one thing that was this whole year has just been a wash as far as I'm concerned. Really? Like, yeah, this whole year was just trash. And this was this was the weirdest, most off. Like, I saw this I, I saw this TikTok video. I, I wish I remember the person's name, but this this woman was like, she was pretending to be an angel, and then like an angel talking to God, and God was like, yeah. So did you like prepare all the stuff for the 2020s? You know, the pandemic, the social injustice, the social unrest, the uh, impeachment stuff, the president, you know, president, all this stuff, right? He's, mm-hmm. She was listing all this stuff. And then the, and then the angel's like, you mean 2020? And she, God's like, no, 2020s. She's like, 2020. So it's 2020. The God's like, did you put all of that in one year? And then the angel's like, holy shit. That's how, like, that's how this year has felt. Like too many, like a decade's worth of bullshit was put in one year. And the fact that I'm even, and, and considering that like 350,000 or so people have not made it to this far, which is just really fucked up and sad, mm-hmm. just making it, if whoever is listening, if you've made it to 2020, through 2021, or made it to 2021, like, and if that's the only thing you have achieved this entire year, then you fucking won. Yeah, you killed it. Like, you killed it. You did the damn thing. You killed like, 2020. That's enough. Exactly. Because Lord knows 2020 was trying to kill us. God damn it. Um, (laughs) But also, I feel like, well, 2020, I started this podcast in my other podcast. Oh, there you go. So I got to be thrilled about that. Yeah. I've written a lot of episodes. Yeah. I've written a lot of scripts this year. Um, A lot of trash. Um, (laughs) I got my beautiful puppy. Yeah. She uh, farts on me a lot, and oh, that's how they say I love you. Yeah, no, we always have to have our butts touching because she sleeps in my bed. <laughs> okay, and I figured out that she always has to have her butt touching me. It's not her trying to push me off the bed. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I can work with that. Um, and then let's see what else. I feel like that's. It's not been a wash for me. I've made some really great friends, especially over Twitter. I wish our listeners would tweet us more so I can make more friends. Um, I love friends. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you make that sound so creepy? (laughs) I know. I was like, why did I make that choice? Um... But, yeah, that's basically how I feel like I'm leaving 2020 with, like, a 
like not a sense of accomplishment. Well, I didn't. The virus hasn't killed me yet, but I did survive it. So that's great. Um, yeah. That's so a like huge I, accomplishment. Thank you. And I survived it before surviving it was cool. Um, <laughs> You're always a trendsetter. No. Always. It's more of like I always trip and fall on my face and everyone's like, why is your face all bloody? And I'm like, hair flip. <laughs> I do this shit. I run this town. That's right. <laughs> I don't run anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... <gasps> goodbye to this fucking year i'm probably gonna go take like the biggest dump of my life emotionally <laughs> i hope i like cry all night like i just feel like these tears will feel so good just exiting my body and then on new year's day i will go to work <laughs> because i'm an essential worker also this podcaster does a lot of things and working essentially so is hats. one of them so many hats so many hats it's a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat um yeah so thank you so much for being on this episode skylar slash associate producer slash thank you for having me yeah i think uh you're taking over part of running the patreon which we are going to put into high gear so feel free to check that out i know we have a couple patreoners and we owe you stickers because if you sign up to be a friend of the podcast at the moment we'll come up with something better i know um we will be sending you some free stickers but i have to design them first so that's <laughs> the hold up it's me <laughs> journey um who knew graphic design took time uh you know one time i have a a graphic designer friend and i remember what time we were at work short random aside and this vice president this executive came up to us or came up to him and um needed some graphic design something done and was like Oh, can you? He's, he's like, okay, I'll have this to you by such and such day. He's like, oh, can you get it to me like this afternoon? He's like, I can't because I got, I need to plan this. I got other things to do. And he's like, oh, well, I thought you just just do one of your little doodles. And it was like <laughs> the most offensive <laughs> thing. What? And I remember, I remember, I turned around in my desk like, did this mofo just call say doodle? You call what he does doodle? Like, just what? do one of your little doodles. Just one of your little doodles. I'm like, that's what y'all think graphic design is. Okay. It's just a doodle. It's just a doodle. It'll only take you like five minutes to make me a whole logo. Like, it's a doodle. It's just a banana. What could it cost? $10? <laughs> it was very much that. Oh my God. It was God. very much that. It's just 2021. What could it cost? What could it cost? $10 billion. <laughs> $10 billion. Like, or, or like Mitch McConnell. It, it's a global pandemic. How much could they possibly need to survive? $600? A dollar. <laughs> well, a dollar. on that note, I'm going to spend my dollar trying to get them to do a Muppets Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> 
Follow me on Twitter to find out more. (laughs) There's graphics. But thank you guys for tuning in this year. It's been so delightful. And I can't wait to thrill you with episodes next year. Are we starting with aliens? That's right. (laughs) We'll be back to our normal scheduled programming. No more, no more like months or themes for quite some time. I'll probably do like a zombie Jesus somewhere around Easter, but you know, that's just a classic. But (laughs) as always, you know how to email me. It's in the outro. So let us know what you want to hear, and we're happy to investigate. Ooh, happy New Year. <laughs> so this has been Let's Talk About the Facts with guest stars, Skylar Ezell. And as you. always, your captain host, Elizabeth Fury. And we will see you in 2021. Goodbye. Dun, dun, dun.